I like that. Appreciate the good singing and uh, appreciate, uh, I was listening to Miss Susan play and uh, I like that, praise God. I know some people say, watch, that's high church music. No, that's just good piano playing right there. And uh, I've been some, sound like a bar room. I don't want to go to that. And uh, hear her sing that song. You know, we, and please don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. I'm very thankful for the forgiveness of God. Right. But I mentioned to you a few weeks ago that justification, we don't hear a lot about justification. To be forgiven means I've committed a crime and that uh, someone has, has kind of overlooked it. Right. To ju justification means that justice has been served yeah. and that the Lord paid my sin debt. So now, when you're forgiven, if uh, someone commits a crime against you, say, well, I forgive you. How many times we hear this? Well, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Right. Well, first of all, I wouldn't probably consider that true forgiveness. You may, you may say that, but, uh, and I understand we, we're human. But when, when God forgave you of your sin, when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he forgive you, he paid your sin debt. So therefore... As much as Satan tries to bring it up and accuse you, then you can say, no, I'm justified. Right? I, I'm, justice has been served. There has, the wages of sin is death. Death has been paid by Jesus Christ. And it, you, have to, you have a choice. You, the, the, the fact is, whether you want to believe it or not, uh, when God said the wages of sin is death, that's what he meant. So either one of two things, you can either choose to pay for your sin you say, well, we all die. Well, that's not what I was talking about. You'll pay for eternity. But the sin debt will never be paid. Or you can accept what Jesus has already done at Calvary and your sin debt has been paid one time forever. It's, it's done. So what happens is a lot of times what we want to do is we'll say things like, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. True. But don't put as much emphasis on the old sinner part right. as I'm saved by grace. Right. See, I'm not what I used to be. And so a lot of times when we use that terminology, we sound spiritual. But what we do is we get caught in the, in the, the treadmill of our past. And we never get past the fact that, that when I stand before God, I'm, I'm forgiven and I'm clean and justified right. because of what Jesus did. Brother John, we shouldn't be living in this, uh, well, I'm a sinner and the guilt of sin. Now, conviction's different, right? When, when, when the Holy Ghost convicts me of sin, the Bible said if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But I don't have to live with the guilt of it. And that, that's what a lot of people do. They, they won't get things right with the Lord, right? You want to have revival? You want to be right with God? I'll tell you how you do it. You, you can blame everybody in the world. You can blame society, parents, the church, the pastor, whoever you want to. But you have to look in the mirror and realize that you are guilty for your sin. You are responsible for you. And if you'll come to him, if we confess our sin, he's just faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us. That's how you get it. I get, a lot of times people, Brother Shane, they'll come to me for counseling. And they'll say, now preacher, you just don't understand my situation. I, I do. It all boils down to one thing, sin. All boils down to the fact that if I want to be right with God, I've got to look in the mirror and see myself as God sees me. 
And the only way I'm going to fix that whole situation is to fall on my face before God and say, God, I'm a sinner. You say, well, I'm saved and I'm still going through that. But here's what you got to do. The Bible says that we're to examine ourselves. Right? You, you got you to constantly on a daily basis. That scripture does not mean confess your sins one time and everything from now on. Is gonna be, every time you sin, right? The Bible said that, that, uh, that we're to sin not, but if we sin, if we sin, right? Which means we're, we're going to, that we have an advocate, right? So you and I have to get to the place where we realize you're not perfect, you, you, and I'm not perfect, and if I want to really get some help, I have to, first thing I got to do is realize that I'm not perfect, but I am justified. That's how you live in victory. That, listen, nothing in this world is going to be perfect, right? People say, I just want to be happy. What, what does that mean? Happy. Well, I just want enough money to pay my bills. Well, you ever thought about instead of increasing your wages, maybe you could cut some of your bills? Amen. Amen. <laughs> I Preacher now, <laughs> right? Well, I just, I want to be happy in my relationships. What does that mean? I want, a, I want a husband that meets all my needs. I want a wife that meets all my needs. Well, you're always going to be disappointed because <laughs> there are certain needs that only God can fill. And if, you, if you're expecting them to do, do that for you, you'll always be disappointed, right? So, so, I just want to thank God I'm justified. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 21 this morning. Luke chapter 21, and we're going to begin in verse number 29. Verse number 29. One of the, one of the signs of a good deacon is they try to correct you. And Brother Eddie tried to correct me this morning. He said, you need to retitle that message, Summertime's Coming. He, and I looked at him, I said, it is coming. Next year, but it's coming, right? There you go, Brother Eddie. No, I appreciate him very much. Nine times out of ten, other than him wearing his Carolina shirt today, it grieved me a little bit, but I'm over that because I love Jesus, amen. So uh, Luke chapter 21, verse number 29. Again, let's go back. Remember, Jesus in chapter 21 uh, laid out some things, and last week we talked about this, how he laid out uh, the, the signs of his return, right? The, he, he told them, now again, we don't know the exact hour, but he's laying out some things that must take place before his return, and, and there's always question uh, about that. I remember, if you're old enough to remember this, I mentioned this before in 1988, how Lindsay had a book, 88 Reasons Jesus Would Come Back in 1988, well he didn't come, and, and it proves the fact that no man knows the hour. Right, right. And so when we get to this scripture in verse 29 uh, through the end of the chapter, there's been a lot of confusion about this. The Bible said he spake to them a parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees, and when they now shoot forth, uh, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So see, my, my, my uh, title is scriptural, Jesus said, summer is now is not hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is not hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. 
and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. That's very important. Uh, notice that verse 34, he said, so that day come upon you unawares. Well, kind of where we are, isn't it? For as a snare shall it come on all, uh, all of the, on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple for to hear him. Now, I can tell you right now in verse 38, these were not Baptist folk because the Bible said they came to the temple early in the morning. Right? And when we, I remember when we start, first started having church at 1030, you thought I blasphemed the scriptures. We, we mean 1030, not 11 o'clock, right? I didn't see in the Bible where it said you had to have church at 11, so maybe we ought to start having it at 6 in the morning. No, we'd lose half the congregation, wouldn't we? But, but think about this, we are to be, this scripture's telling us we are to be anticipating the coming of the Lord. Now we say we do, probably in our mind intellectually we are, but our belief always affects our behavior. What you believe affects the way that you live, right? And so the Lord is giving his disciples more signs to look for before his coming. And he didn't give it to them. He's not giving that to us today for us to sit in our churches and discuss and have prophecy conferences so we can say, well, you know, I, I want to nitpick uh, uh, the coming of the Lord and uh, whether I'm pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I mean, I think that a lot of times we get caught up in things. And let me say this, I am pre-tribulation rapture of the church. But I'm not going to sit and argue with everybody about it. You believe whatever you want to. And if you're here, praise God, or if you're taken out when Jesus comes to rapture the church, uh, I think you, you may not be disappointed if you believe you're a post-trip. But the fact we look at it, we're, we try to, we get by all these books and we want to have all the, well, what does, uh, what does that fig tree mean? When is that? What is the, the generation, right? And some have said, well, 70 years and so it, 19, was it 48, 1948 when Israel became a nation that that 70 year generation uh, they would uh, still be here and, and that that's when the Lord's coming back well 70 plus 48 we're past that so it tells me that maybe the Lord is not telling us to be so concerned with what the generation is and he's telling us that we're to pay attention because he's coming back. And sometimes we get so intellectual about our Bible study that it has no impact on the way we live. And so Jesus here, he tells us when the nation of Israel is reborn that this generation will not pass before his return. And there's been much disagreement, discussion as to the meaning of this generation. But I don't think that's the important part of this scripture. I think the important part is that he is coming and we need to get ready. Amen. I mean, can we not all agree that he's coming? Jesus Christ is coming back. Well, now when he comes back, it's not for me to determine. I just know this. Even the early disciples all the way back in the book of Acts thought that he would come then. And so we've been in the last days ever since then. You say, well, we're in the last days. We've been in the last day pretty much ever since uh, the book of Acts. 
And so don't get so caught up in when's he coming, what's the sign, what does this mean? The fact is, whether he comes today, tomorrow, in the next hour, or a thousand years from now, it does not change the fact that you and I have to be ready for him to come this very day. May I say this today, that you may not have another chance to do business with God except for this service today. You say, well, preacher, I'm 20 years old. I got plenty of time. You don't know that. You say, well, I'm 70 years old. I'm in perfect health. But you don't know what tomorrow will hold. You don't know what the next breath will hold. So the only thing that really matters in this life is what have you done with Jesus Christ and what will you do with Jesus Christ if you're saved by the grace of God. So the important part is that he is coming and we need to get ready. Church, it is not time to sit back in the four walls of this building and do nothing for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not time for us to sit back and have all the revival meetings and conferences and not be moved to action because we are in the last days and Jesus is coming. And if you want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, it's not going to be because we sit on church pews. Amen. So what is he saying in this scripture, summertime's coming? Well, uh, I'll say this, number one, in verse 33, he gives us confidence in his word. Notice what he said, heaven and earth shall pass away. That's what he said. What you see is all going to be burned up down here. What you see up there is all going to be destroyed. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That's what he said. You say, well, how can you be sure of that? Because he said it. You say, well, how how do you know Jesus is the way? Because he said he was. So what I'm saying is I can have confidence in his word. I watched the debate the other night. I didn't have confidence in anything they said. I was sitting there, I'm 52 years old, and I was sitting there listening, I thought, I've heard all this before. I've heard it all every four years. I hear the same thing. We've got to shut down the border. We've got to cut spending. We've got to do this, do that. They never do it. But do you know what, Brother Marty? I didn't leave watching that discouraged. You know why? Because I know what's going to happen. See, I, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting all my trust in the man I'm not putting it all in a party. I'm not putting it all in a uh, earthly Messiah. I'm putting it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and people will lie. And sometimes, Brother Paul, they don't even mean to lie. They just that they say things and it's not true. They didn't intentionally say it to mislead, but it's not true, right? They read an article, Brother Danny, and well, I read this article. You know what? I know, I know, I know, I know where we are. It's on the internet. It's true. Right? If it's on Facebook, that's as true as this. No, it's not. No, it's not. Brother Adam, now, you think there's aliens? You know, government says, I don't know if there is or not. But I don't care. See, at some point in time, I'm not going to be on this earth anymore. Whether it's by death or the rapture of the church, I'm going to be out of here. So maybe I need to be more, uh, more concerned with what the word of God says than what everything else says, right? So here's what he's saying. He's telling us we are to have confidence in the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. And if I have confidence in his word, then there is the competence of his word. It is, it, we're not seeing a lot of competence anymore, but everything God said would 
come to pass has come to pass that needs to come to pass. So, so that gives me confidence that what he says will come to pass will come to pass. In other words, his track record is stellar. His, his, his competence, we can have confidence in his word and in him because it shows his competence. Remember, remember when he said uh, that uh, he, the, the temple would be destroyed in three days, he'd raise it up? And they said, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, he's talking about his body. Right. But then also, you know what took place? The temple was destroyed. Yes, right. And people still didn't believe it, right? And so how many times today we don't believe God? We got his word, and it is 100% accurate. By the way, I don't believe this Bible has not one error in it. You say, well, how can you be sure of it? Because it is inspired. God breathed. Man didn't write this book. They pinned it down, but God wrote it. That's why I know that it is 100% accurate. I don't understand it. Oh, you say, well, how can you know that if you don't understand it? Well, how can you, underst- how can you believe in gravity? You don't understand that. But I promise you this, you jump off the Empire State Bill and you'll figure out real soon it's real. See, we need to get off this. You and I, our mind is about that big. Our mind is finite. God is infinite. You can't understand everything about him, neither can I. So I have to have confidence in his competence, and that competence is shown in the word of God. But then the consistency of his word. God never contradicts himself. His word, the Bible said here, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So he is 100% consistent. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is forever settled in heaven. And so therefore, God does not change. The world changes, people change, society changes, values change, morals change, ethics change, but God doesn't change. So if you want to know something or someone that is 100% consistent all the time, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't have a, uh, Brother Matt, he doesn't have a way that uh, 100 years ago a man should get saved in a different way today. It's the same. So religion says, well, now you have to do this. Whatever the vogue or whatever's in vogue, it's like, well, now you have to do this. Well, Jesus said this, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. So he is very consistent in salvation, but he's consistent in sanctification. Now watch what I'm saying. Churches can change. They can do whatever they want to do. I didn't say they were right. But we're letting society and the culture change us. There's a day where we change the culture. Now we're letting the culture change us. Whatever is happening, whatever's in vogue, whatever's popular, it's like, well, let's just do that. Maybe people will start coming. Well, here's the problem. What are you going to do when they come? I mean, if you don't give them truth, and truth is confrontational, right? Truth is not... Truth is not compromising. Truth is confrontational. Listen, the Bible is confrontational. Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. He said, I didn't come to to bring people together. I came to divide. And so what we have to understand is that, that God is consistent. His word is eternal. He is eternal. And it has always been and always will be. With so many things changing, we know we gotta have something we can depend on. Amen. That's the word of God. It's the plumb line, right? 
You say, well, the world we live in, uh, everything's changing. The definition of marriage is changing. The definition of, of uh, uh, sex is changing. Whether you're a man or what, it doesn't change in God. In the beginning was the word, the word's with God, and the word was God. Amen. Right? Yes, sir. He created male, female. Amen. Right? Yes, so you, they can change whatever they want to. I'm always going to, I'm always going to submit to the higher authority. I'm all right submitting to government until it goes against the word of God. Right. And so what we have to understand is if you want consistency, it comes in the word of God. Right. Well, I understand, I understand, Brother Bart, we live in a day, anything goes. Here's the problem. God's the same. Yes, right. So here's, here's my question. What are you going to choose? Because that's what it comes down to, a choice. You're going to choose God, consistency, the world, always changing. Or John's getting quieter in here now, right? So, so we have to have confidence in his word. Well, why is all that important? Because he showed in the Old Testament that he was consistent and he showed uh, his confidence in the Old Testament. He showed his consistency when he was on the earth and now 2,000 years later, if I can't can't believe in the consistency and the confidence of the Lord Jesus Christ, then I may not believe he's coming back. Now listen to what I'm saying. Now all of us would agree that the Lord is consistent and competent, right? right? We have confidence in that. Does anybody not? We're all on the same page. All right, hang with me. Well, how come we ain't living like it? Right? I'll tell you why. Brother Marty and Miss Treve and I were talking about this very thing this morning. Because we had this mindset that I'm the exception. Right? I know what the Bible says, but, but... Brother, but but I believe. Let me give you time out. Nobody care what you believe. God's not in heaven right now. Going. To, did, did y'all hear that? They don't. They believe something different. Maybe we ought to change, right? Maybe maybe we ought to change the word of God because. The, ba- the Baptists have decided they believe something different now. The Methodists, they don't believe what the, the Bible, we've got to change it all. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. So you and I have got to get on board with, God doesn't have to get on board with you. He, by the way, he didn't have to call the sword crowd. He don't have to call the house crowd. He don't have to call the, you know, the camp meeting crowd. He don't have to call anybody and say, now what do y'all think? He has set. I've lost them. Before I've lost Why? Because I've got to have confidence in him. Every other, everybody else, listen, there have been some Baptists that have done some really boneheaded things. There have been Methodists, Pentecostals, name the denomination, whatever you want. They've messed up. There's been preachers that have messed up. There's been deacons that have messed up. There's been church members that have messed up. But God is consistent and he never fails. And so I've got to put all my trust in what he says and who he is. So, so that's where we got to start. If we can't have confidence in the word of God, then what are we even doing here? 
Number two, after we have confidence in his word, he cautions us about our behavior. The Bible said, and take heed to yourselves. Now notice, he did not say take heed of your neighbor. Right? He didn't say, he didn't say and I hear people all the time say, well, you know, God didn't call us to be fruit inspectors. He wants you to, he wants you to examine your own fruit. We've got real good at examining everybody else's fruit and determine whether they're living for God and whether or not they're saved. But here's the thing. It, the Bible said if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. That's what, well, I'll tell you what, that preacher right there ain't right with God. Maybe not. But you know what also he said? That you're not to judge another man's servant. You start spitting out Bible to people, they get upset, don't they? Right? Well, I believe, nobody cares what you believe. What's the Bible say? So, verse 34, he said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unaware. Huh. Notice what he's saying. So, What's he cautioning us about? At any time, your hearts be overcharged. So it's talking about the seat of who we are. That, that I, need to, I need to be aware because my behavior is affected by what I believe. Well, where do you believe stuff? We call it the heart. Right? right? Not the thing that pumps blood, but the, the inner man... That determines what, what we believe. It, give you an example. If you, if you live, Brother Matt and his family just got back from Kansas, right? They have stuff out there we don't have. It's called giant tornadoes. Now, I don't know where he lived at. If they got, do they have the tornado siren that goes off? So do y'all have like a shelter or something you go in? So he has the siren, the shelter. Do you believe in tornadoes? So if the siren goes off and you believe in tornadoes, what do you do? You get in the shelter, right? Does that make sense? I mean, if I lived there and Brother Matt said, now listen, when you hear that siren go off, that means a giant tornado is getting ready to rip your house. And anybody see Dorothy? You saw that one? So when you hear that siren so that you don't end up where all those witches live and all that, you need to climb down in this cellar. Right? Now, whether or not you do it is whether or not you believe Brother Matt is truthful in his assessment of what that siren means. Correct? I'm going with what he says, and when I hear the siren, I'm going to, you know, I'm getting down in that hole. Same thing with this. If you believe the Bible, you're going to, it's going to change what you do. But my actions, well, see, for me to get down in that cellar, to make my feet go down there, there had to be something inside of me that says, I believe what the man said. That happens in here. So the Bible's saying here that take heed to yourselves at any time your heart be overcharged. Well, he gives us two things there. That word surfeiting means, uh, it means feeding to excess 
or the word gluttony. Drunkenness. I don't think we have to define that. If we do, we're in deep trouble. But the idea is that it deals with our carnality. In other words, that we're feeding the flesh. I was listening to something this week and it was talking about addiction. And, and you know, there's... Can I, time out. Can I give you something? See what our, our world has done with just about everything? We've made it an illness. That way, if it's an illness, you can't help it. Right? It's a sickness. Some things are, by the way, so don't get upset with me. So, well, some things are. But they had an expert talking about addiction. He said, now part of it is, some of it is genes. He said, some of it is psychological. But he said, what most of addiction is, is there, that you see a temporary, immediate escape from whatever it is, and you go to it. And so the more you do that, the more appealing it is, and you know that, that this action or this substance or whatever it is, will take you out of this bad situation or environment or mindset or whatever and put you here and it's only temporary. It's not lasting, right? It doesn't consistently do that, but it's a temporary fix for that situation and so that's where that addiction comes from and it's not helpful over the long term, but in the short term, it gives you that instant relief, right? And so that's really what a lot of carnality is. It is... Do we, we realize, right? We realize that eating that Big Mac is probably not the healthiest thing for you. I'm not, I like them, right? But they're like 29,000 calories for a one hamburger, right? And the French fries, I know that's manna from heaven, just like Krispy Kreme donuts, right? God sent them, that, I understand that. But you realize those little sugary rings with no, with no center, though they are tasty, they're not good for you. Now before you get them, so a preacher is, I, I like them too. But we don't look at the long-term effect of that and say, well, you know, down the road, I might have some health issues from not eating healthy, right? Or, well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, we're, we're feeding our flesh because that's what food is. We feed our flesh and we're so caught up in feeding the flesh and not just with food but other things and that's where we are. I got to feel good. I got to have more stuff. I got to have, you know, I, I, I need, I'm entitled to a vacation. I'm entitled to these things. Why? Because it makes us feel good. Right. And so that carnality bleeds over into immoral things. Yeah. Right? Amen. I mean, we don't even talk anymore about fornication or adultery. That's just where we live in. Hey, you watch a movie and this guy, he's married this girl and this girl's married this guy, but they see each other at the office and they fell in love and now all of a sudden they glorify this adulterous relationship. Amen. 
And so we're so caught up in what feels good and what makes us, and he's saying you need to step back and be aware of some things that immorality and drunkenness, this carefree living that I'm just gonna do what I want to and God, by the way, you need to accept it. You need to be on the same page and I'm not gonna answer to anybody and I don't have to answer to you and oh, we, we serve this loving father that's full of grace and he doesn't care how I live. He just wants to give me blessings all the time. That's not the God of the Bible. See, our behavior should should be that which emulates someone who believes Jesus is coming back. If you, if you believe he's come back today, and I'm, I, you're here, so I'm, I'm saying in general, if people believed Jesus was coming back this morning, Brother Ronnie, where would they be? They wouldn't be tailgating at the Panthers game and, oh, God won't mind if I miss this one Sunday because the Panthers are playing. Well, I can tell you what's going to happen. They're going to lose. You don't have to go to the game. See, we say we believe, but not in here. We believe Jesus was coming back at 5.15 tonight. Every one of you be back at 5 o'clock tonight, right? Unless you're providentially, you know, under some people sick and traveling and, you know, things happen. But let's be honest. What we say we believe, if we really believe it, it changes the way we act. And so he deals with carnality, but then also he deals with cares. Look at this. He said, uh, drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon them or come, come upon you unawares. Amen. Right? The cares of life. Why don't we read our Bible? Why don't we pray? Why don't we come to church? Why don't we witness? Why don't we name it? Here's what we'll say. Life. Life. Right? Well, that's what he said. He said right here. So the day comes upon you as unaware. Why? Because the cares of this life. See, Brother Gary, we have this picture of when we get to heaven. Brother Charles, they're going to swing the gates open. Ticker tape parade. All the angels going to be standing at attention. All the saints of God and all those that have gone on before us, and they're all going to be going. Problem is, I don't hear much preaching and singing about the judgment seat. That's part of heaven too, right? And why do we not live in light of the judgment seat? I'll tell you why. He said it here, the cares of this life. We're more concerned with this life. than We just in our mind, well, we're all going to heaven. We're all going to be in our mansion. Everything's going to be good, Right? I mean, I'd, I'd just, just be glad to slide in there. So I want the best of this world and the best of the other world. Right. I want my cake. Never understood that. You want your cake and eat it too? Well, sure I do. 
I mean, if I'm going to have the cake, I'm not going to just stare at it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Jerry, Miss Tammy, Brother Carter, birthday, we ought to be having some cake around here. And I'm not just going to go into fellowship home and go, thing looks good. Y'all come and I'm going to eat it. But that's what we want in this life, isn't it? Right. I want to do what I want to do, but then when I get to heaven, I want you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. No, he said, he said in verse 34, it'll come on you unaware because yes, of the sir. cares of this life. Yes, sir. The carnality, feeding the flesh, and the cares of this life. Is that not what, you know, why, why do we have, why do we have so many issues today, right? right? Again, I'm not a doctor, so don't get upset with me. I'm not saying if you got something or don't, I don't know. But I am, I am curious as to why all the anxiety has popped up lately. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying that. Maybe part of it is that there are more cares of life than there's ever been and we care more about this life than we've ever cared and we're not looking for the next life like we have in times past. Just just a thought, right? So some of you don't have to get on Facebook and correct me over that one. I'm not diagnosing, I'm just giving you a thought. Caution about behavior. I got to be careful what I carry and what I uh, what I care and what I worry about. And then number three, in verse thirty six, he gives us a command about our walk. Here's what he says: Watch ye therefore, and pray always. So here's what I'll leave you with. He says we're to have a circumspect life. In other words, we're to be alert. Be alert. You ever seen those videos? People, I, they're walking around the woods, right? Brother Ian, if I'm going to walk around the woods, I am not ever going to have my phone in front of my face. <laughs> and do you know why? Because there are snakes in the woods. And they hide. And I don't like snakes at all, ever. And so I'm probably not going to sit anyway, but I don't want to be distracted by my phone when something could bite me and kill me. But they'll have all these videos of people, snakes up on them, I mean, just doing crazy things. And I'm like, what is going on with people? Right? People driving, running. I mean, if you, ever, if you drive up down 150, I promise you, at every stoplight, when the stoplight turns green, you will not go. Until people, and you can see it. You can see. Put your phone down. And get out of my way when we're at the stoplight. You need to be aware, right? right. So, so the idea is that we are to walk circumspectly, which means that I'm to be alert. Yes. I'm, to, I'm, to, I'm to see what's coming. 
I'm not to get distracted and discouraged because of, as I see the Bible being fulfilled, I'm to be encouraged because Jesus is coming back and we're to be careful of all the traps the devil has. And by the way, he's got a lot and he's pretty good because he's used the same one for 6,000 years. Be alert. You say, well, what, what am I to be alert? You ready for a big one? Listen to me. Religion. Well, there's all these different religions. I agree with you. How do I know which one's right? None of them are right. Jesus didn't say follow religion. He didn't say a religion was the way. He said, I am. How do you know? Just going to follow him, right? So when people come up with all this, these new ideas, and by the way, now that we have the internet, you can pull up anything you want. You can Google whatever thing you want and somebody be talking about it. But Jerry, whatever doctrine you want, you say, see, now the brother so-and-so there, I watched a video on him and he said that what I said was 100% accurate. It's biblical. You know God's in heaven right now going, they proved me wrong. No. I'm to be alert. How do, how do I know? I've got to spend more time in this. How can I be alert? How can I, how can I walk wisely? I spend more time in the prayer closet. How, how, can, I be, uh, how can I be aware? Well, Hebrews 10.25 tells us we are to, to meet more as we see the day approaching, not less. You know what I found? I've been doing this a while. I don't know everything, but I do know a few things. When people get away from God, it's a process. Very seldom do I ever see anybody, Miss Rita. One day they're on fire for God, and the next day you can't find them with the FBI. It's a process. They're on fire for God, on fire for God, miss a few services, miss a few services. Ready for this one? Get around the wrong crowd. Right? Right? Get around the wrong crowd, listen to the wrong people, follow the wrong preaching, follow the wrong whatever. And before you know it, they're critical, they're bitter, and they're gone. You know how you stay away from that? Get your eyes in the book. Get your eyes off man. Right? So he says, we're to have a circumspect life. I got to be aware. I try, I don't, I like to, Brother Bart, to observe things. I like to anticipate what's going to happen. I don't always get it right. But I'll tell the girls, we'll talk, and I'll say, I'll tell them something, and they'll come back later, and they'll say, you're right, Daddy. You're right. Matter of fact, Hannah said, Daddy, you're always right. She's smart. And it's not because I'm, I just observe people and you can see patterns in people's lives, right? You see them heading down this road, you're going, I've seen this story play out hundreds of times, right? But you think you'll be the exception. You won't. 
That's why you have to be aware. Walk circumspectly. And then I'll finish with this. Watch ye therefore and pray always. Consistent prayer life. Pray always without ceasing. And, and don't just pray when you think you need it. By the way, consistent prayer life is not just spouting off your prayer list. It, it is being in that, in that mindset of prayer. That mindset of intimacy and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit speaks to you when you walk with God. Right? How many times before the Lord says, you need to watch out for that. And you don't understand it, but it's, it, he didn't, it, it's like you don't hear it unless you walk with God. Watch out. You need to watch out for that situation. Watch out for that person. It's, he's never spoke to me like that when I wasn't walking with him. Summertime's coming. I don't mean the season. I'm talking about Jesus is coming. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. But here's what I know in closing. That you and I have to be ready. You and I have to be. If you're a Christian, you need to be living like you believe he's coming back. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to understand today there's nothing in this book, in this Bible, that has to be fulfilled for Jesus Christ's return. So, so if you believe he's coming back and you're not a Christian, you need to get saved today. You say, well, what about tomorrow? Tomorrow may be too late, right? What about next week? I want a young person, I want to live my life and one day I'll get saved and live for God. May not happen. Today, today's the day. You have to make a decision today, this moment, of what you're going to do with Jesus. Let's stand together. Bow our heads this morning. Thank you so much for your attention. No one's looking around. As Miss Susan comes to play, I want you to do this. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I'm not asking if you were baptized. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm asking you, has there ever been a time in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to save you? If not, I want you to do this. I want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. We do that. Is there one? I don't know that I've ever accepted him as my Savior. I'm not asking if you're a good person. Has there been a time in your life where you've called out and asked Jesus Christ to save you? If not, will you slip your hand up? Is there one? According to our testimony, every person in here is going to heaven. Now I pray that's true. Here's the next question. If you say you're saved, does your life reflect what you say you believe? If you stood before the Lord Jesus Christ right now, would he say, well done, good and faithful servant? There's a world out there dependent on us. You say, I don't want to be a hero. I don't want to be a role model. Well, you're, you're all the Jesus somebody's going to ever see. If your life is not what it should be for Christ, if what you say you believe does not match up with the life you're living, won't you do this? Won't you just get on this altar and say, I want to repent. I want to get things right with you this morning, God. He said he'd forgive you. He said he'd make it right. The stakes are too high, folks. 
Some of you may not get another chance. I may not get another chance. This may be the last opportunity. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll be here next week. But we're not guaranteed that, are we? Do business with God this morning. You say, I'm, I would like to, but there's a lot of people this morning in hell because of a I would but. Almost thou persuadest me. Almost. It's almost there. God spoke to your heart this morning. Come. 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 Amen. Father, thank you for the message. Thank you for the word of God and its consistency. That you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for speaking to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.